Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, I'd like to say congratulations to everybody because we made it. We are here at the end of the series we are in called You, Me, God. This is week 10. I don't know that we've ever done a series this long. And I'm not going to get into all of uh, the definitions and everything this is. But basically, we've been looking at how God has wired us and our personalities and all the uniqueness about that. I'm going to get into that in a second. We're saving the best for last. And you know, this has been the hardest because we're going to look at the number sevens. And the number sevens, um, they're the most uh, impatient uh, on the entire Enneagram. And here we are waiting 10 weeks just to get to you. So you're welcome for that. But here's the good news. You also have the shortest attention spans. And so uh, once we're all done, you're, you're going to be fine and you're not going to remember. So it's all good. Um, so I thought I would start with a little quiz uh, I'm a huge believer in rote and repetition, as I've said, and so uh, I'm going to quiz you, and I know this is going to be like, I, I don't even, this is like, uh, you know, um, Moses hitting the rock and hope, hoping water comes out of it, like a miracle, because the sense I'm getting from you guys today is I've just got to pull it all out of you, so I'm going to try my best. Key verses in this whole series that we've been looking at in God's Word. And so I'm going to test your knowledge and see if you remember. And if you can't remember uh, the book and the chapter, I'm going to at least let you try to guess the book, okay? God has made all of you on purpose and very specifically. When he thought of you, he put all the right ingredients together. And we talked about this out of a passage of Scripture. Can anyone tell me what passage of Scripture We've been looking at every single week as one of our key verses. Oh, oh I heard some mumbles. I heard it. Ooh, not yet. Psalms. Bonus points if we get the chapter. Oh, close. 139, 139. Psalm 139 says this, verse 13 and 14. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Tell your spouse, I'm not difficult. I'm complex. And God made me that way. No, but seriously, you are designed exactly how God wanted to design you. It is not a mistake. It is on purpose. And I love that verse. You know, we talked about that the Christian life is a journey. Here's quiz question number two. 2A, 2B, and 2C. Can someone tell me what the Christian journey, as I've been defining it all series long, looks like? Give me 2A. Yes, it's upward toward God. What's 2B? Outward towards other people. And C? Inward towards us. Good job. We got it. So here's our key verse. This is last and final question of the day. Someone said it before. I heard it over here. It's in the book of what? Matthew. Bonus points for the chapter. Whew, so hard. 
22. 22. Matthew 22 says this. One of the most famous verses in the Bible that Jesus said himself, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's our journey upward towards him. That's the focus of our life. It is the single most important commandment in all of God's word. Are we going to do it perfectly? No. But he says, this is what I want as a follower of me. You're to love me with all your heart and soul, your mind, okay? And then he says, now here comes the outward part, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many did that perfectly this week? Mm. How many loved yourself perfectly this week? Hmm. And now we get a little glimpse to why this is called a journey, right? Because we are never going to achieve that here on this earth, but we are going to strive. And this is a, this, in this church, and it's my heart, and it's Carrie's heart, that when we teach, we are constantly journeying towards God's, towards others, and taking a good, hard look at ourselves. And this is where a tool, like the Enneagram, comes in, and that's all it is. It's a tool. And we're putting it side by side. We're putting scripture right over the top of it and saying, we want to look deep inside ourselves. What is it that makes me tick? What is it that motivates us? What are the things that I'm going to struggle with? What are the things that God has given me on purpose? And one of the differences with this versus any of the other tools maybe out there that I have found is it really exposes us. And what I've said is when we find out kind of how we tick, we go, oh, that's me, that's me. And we're so excited. But then we get to the next and it's like, oh, that's me. And that's good. It tells us the things we need to hear. One last quick story before I jump in for the sevens. I, I met a, uh, with a pastor friend this week, kind of a newer friend. Um, uh, he lives in Rhode Island, and we decided to get together and talk and, and uh, meet up and just kind of see and, and, and meet each other. So we met over lunch this past week, and he texts me, and he says, I'm looking forward. He goes, I'm an Enneagram 8. And I was like, oh, wow. So we come, and we have this uh, conversation. He goes, Tom, I got to say, I've been listening to some of your, your messages. And he goes, that one on the 8, he goes, that really, that really hit me hard. He goes, and I got to tell you, just this morning, now this is the morning, this is Wednesday morning, um, he goes, I had a situation come up, and my first instinct was to just stand up and puff up my chest and be bold and say the thing I know I wanted to say. He goes, but I remembered, I can't do that. I got to stop. I got to pause. And I was just like, that's cool. And that's what I hope for us this morning. All right. Enneagram 7s, we're going to jump right in. These people are called the enthusiasts. Woo! Woo! Here are some descriptive words of your personality. Extroverted, optimistic, spontaneous, scattered, curious, popular, adventurous, indecisive, impulsive, busy, action-oriented. Okay, or you know someone. Maybe someone sitting next to you is this. Well, let's keep going. Here are some descriptive statements. You may be an Enneagram 7 if you're always up for a last-minute adventure. 
By the way, I want to just say, in every one of these, I put an exclamation part at, uh, point at the end. That's the seven, right? You get bored very quickly and you move on to something else. Or, or, or you get excited about the next thing and you never finish that thing you first started. So, You think, if you're a seven, you think people, other people worry way more than they should. You like to push the limits. You like to party. We like to party. You love to travel, try new restaurants, go to the movies, go for joy rides. If you're a seven, you think anticipation is the very best part of life. As a seven, you're always able to look at the bright side. You might be a seven if you rebel against people's expectations of you. You hate feel, being, uh, feeling tied down. You want to be free. You might be a seven if you lighten the mood with jokes or funny quips. And you might be a seven if you try to avoid heavy or painful conversations. So, for fun... I have a slide here, depending on which uh, you like. You have the Star Wars universe. Uh, maybe you are like R2-D2 here, you're a seven. Or Star-Lord if Marvel is your thing, right? Or in our Dis Back to Disney princesses, Ariel, who just wants to get out and explore the world, right? Sevens enjoy life. They want to experience everything life has to offer. Sevens love to say yes to trying everything. In fact, in fact, here are a couple of their mantras. YOLO. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what that is? YOLO. You only live once. So let's do it. YOLO. Or another one might be FOMO. Does it, you guys know what that one is? Fear of missing out. If that's you, you might be a seven. Sevens make great tour guides and travel agents and trainers and event planners and marketers and pilots and interior designers and real estate agents and, yes, even youth pastors. <laughs> I think this is why I gave up youth ministry a long time ago. You have high levels of energy. You enjoy meeting new people. You're quick and creative thinkers, and you're highly optimistic. Everything for you is about experiences. And here, I want you to listen to the sevens. You are reflectors of God's joy. When we come into this place, we need reflectors of God's joy. You need reflectors of God's joy in your life. And sevens, that's what you bring to us. I really think when we are, uh, as God designed us and wired, we, we see scripture through some different lenses. And here are some scriptures that I think sevens probably enjoy and like. They probably connect with them quite a bit. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 13 says, People should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Amen. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made... We're going to wake up at 6 a.m. and rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> Sevens. 
Or you stayed out way too late the night before and it's like noon. I don't know. Uh, Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, and a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, My purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. Some of you are connecting with this already. Sevens, we need you. One of the things that Enneagram does is it helps uncover some of the motivations for why we do what we do. And this is important for every number. And for a seven, it's this. You are motivated by a need to avoid pain. I'm going to say that again. You're motivated by a need to avoid pain. You're constantly seeking new experiences. You're constantly moving from thing to thing, often because it allows you to push away and ignore the painful and the stressful things that you need to walk through. You're constantly seeking to be satisfied, so you're seeking contentment through experiences. And you have a fear of being in pain or being deprived. Like I said before, like, don't put me in that box. I want to go. I want to be free. And if you get that sense, I do not ever want to be trapped in this life. And you fear about not knowing what's next. It's a big deal for you because you want to keep going, going, going. And this is the thing that you're going to struggle with. We call it the core sin. And it's gluttony. Now, we often think of gluttony in terms of food. And that is certainly true, and it can be certainly true of a seven. But when you think about the go, 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 the, the, the take, 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 the experiential piece of life, you will become a glutton on that if you are not a healthy, in a healthy space. You want to indulge in everything, especially experiences. You want to jump from one thing to the next and take it all in. And so you keep, you keep heaping up all the pleasures on your plates. And before you know it, you may be overindulging and trying to find more avenues of pleasure. And for this reason, sevens are prone to addictions of all kinds. Sevens, you also are going to struggle with boundaries. Because you want to keep going. You want to say yes. You don't really want to let people down because you want to bring the joy to the party. And you are going to struggle with boundaries in your life. And therefore, the interesting thing about a seven is your greatest strengths end up being your greatest weaknesses. The seeking of pleasure may destroy you. You need to be free with no limits, and it ends up limiting you, and you become a slave to the things that you did not anticipate or want to become a slave to. And when you are especially unhealthy, you can lean into the one side, which is that perfectionist person, and become overly perfectionist and overly critical. And so, sevens, I have a few verses that I want you to hear this morning. This is what I think God has for you. And if you think you're a seven or you think you know a seven, write these down. We give out those bulletins for that reason. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 says... You say, I am allowed to do anything. That sounds like a seven to me. But not everything is good for you. 
Even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Sevens, this is going to be your constant struggle. Galatians 5.13, and we're, by the way, starting a brand new sermon series on Galatians next week. It's called The Gospel of Jesus, and I'm very excited about it. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this, You have been called to live in freedom. But don't use it to satisfy your sinful nature. Use it instead to serve one another in love. And finally, Philippians 4, verse 11 says this, one of my favorite verses. I have learned, this is just an excerpt of it, I have learned how to be content. In whatever situation I'm in, however I find myself, whatever God has me going through, even the pain that we experience, I'm going to learn how to be content in this life. And so here, is if you are a seven, as I'm making my way towards the end of this, I want you to hear this. If you're a seven, here's my word for, my message for the day. Stop running. You're running towards everything. All the things, there's so many cool things and experiences and great things to do. And you're go, 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 and you don't want to say no to the person next to you. And you're always up for something. You're the life of the party. You have to be there. And I think God may be saying, hold on. Stop running. Slow down. And as I wrap it up, I want to talk about a specific spot in the Bible that I think we may find a seven. And whether this is your first time in church or you've been here your whole life, you may actually know a little bit of this story. And it is a story. It's actually a story that Jesus told. It, and we call it a parable. Because Jesus is teaching people, and he's like, you know what? I have an illustration for you, and I want to tell you this story. And I think in this story, we find possibly an Enneagram 7. And it's the story, the parable of the prodigal son. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I want you to listen to me as I read it, and I want you to try to take it in in a different way today. It's in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says this, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father, whatever he was thinking, I don't know, agreed to divide his wealth at that moment, between his two sons. A few days later, this younger son, hint, possible, Enneagram 7, packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land that was very exciting and full of things to do and full of people to meet. And there... He wasted all of his money in wild living. I don't know about you, and again, I am not overgeneralizing. I'm just letting us, our minds take this where it needs to go. Because all of us can be prone to this, but maybe sevens more so. 
Here's the problem. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Uh Uh-oh. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. By the way, sevens are great persuaders. They have an attractive personality for people. And so he persuades a local farmer to hire him, and the man sends him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. But when he finally came to his senses, and as I was thinking about this, I put a little paraphrase next to that, and I said, when he finally decided to stop running. Pause. I need to think about where my life is headed. I need to think about where I'm going. I need to be more intentional about what I'm doing. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger, So I'm going to go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And I love that picture. That picture should impact all of us deeply because it is a sign of God the Father. No matter where we are, no matter where we've been, no matter where we've gone, as soon as we step over that line, God is running to us. He doesn't even want to hear because here's what the guy wanted to say. He goes, I am no, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I could see his father saying, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. He's servants. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We have to celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. And I love this. So the party began. Isn't that awesome? But sevens. I really think it's important that you stop before you do. Because when you are at your healthiest, you inspire people and you are encouragers and you become less self-focused and you mature and you are mature and responsible bearers of God's joy. And we need you. The church needs you. Your friends need you. Your family needs you. And so as I wrap up, there's just a few things that I wrote down as kind of like a, um, maybe the application for you sevens that I think is going to have to help you. If you think this may be you, as you step into this healthy journey that God has called you to and to be all that you can be, number one, I think you need to make peace with the pain. Sevens, you need to make peace with pain. Stop running from it at all costs. Joy can be had through pain. And yet it takes us being able to step back and to sit and to stop running and stop our minds and say, okay, God, what do you want to do through this? Number two, not only make peace with pain, but practice moderation. 
See, this is where sevens often go wrong. They don't know how to moderate well. But if we can learn how to do that, I encourage you to have people and structures in your life that will guard you from excess. Number three, learn gratitude. That's why I put that Philippians verse in there before. Learn gratitude. Settle into joy that is unrelated. Listen to this. To possessions and experiences. Don't let the circumstances dictate for you. Settle into joy that is unrelated to that. And number two, begin to appreciate simple and quiet. Number four, I have five of them. Say no. Learn how to say no. Draw boundaries and say yes to the most important things or the things that God is calling you into. And finally, number five, patience. Be intentional about life. I don't know about you, but this has been a very interesting journey. And as I wrap up today, I wanted to give you two stories um, that people sent to me just this week. As we've walked through this whole entire series, the first one is related to today. She says this, I've loved this series on the Enneagram. I had never heard about it, and I'm thinking I'm a seven. And so finally this weekend is seven, and I'm going to miss it. Because... I just booked a one-way flight to St. Thomas. This is no joke. I'm not making this up. Just spontaneously, I joined a catamaran delivery trip, and I will crew on from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, ending in Granada, around 7-3, so in July. We'll island hop our way down. I suppose I'll book a flight home at some point, but I'm not worried about that yet. It seems too classic from what I've learned about a 7 not to share. Oh, by the way, some might say it's too risky because I broke my back last fall, but the bones are officially healed, and I'm working on my, with my physical therapist to continue to strengthen, and there's no way I'm not going. I love being a seven. Fair winds and following seas. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Heidi, for that story. She said I could share her name. One other one, and this is more general. This is for all of us as we wrap this up. This person says, I've always hated personality typing. Over the years, I've used several in the workplace, strength finders, all the, all the different things. And a lot of people instantly connected. But I found myself questioning the findings. And it always had people weighted on one part. But for me, it was kind of all over the place. And so I went into this series with skepticism, if not downright resistance. And when my wife came to me excitedly declaring herself a nine after week one, I immediately questioned that. But to my surprise, when we discussed it, and I, I learned new things about my wife. After 22 years together, I didn't think there was anything I didn't know or understand, and I was wrong. Over the series, I've watched her t uh, take the strongest interest in the sermon each week and the podcasts. And then Carrie got up to speak about the three, and I found myself relating. And I'm highly driven to succeed. I care about how I'm seen. I fear failure. I don't like to be slowed down. I hate inefficiency. I can't, being, I can't stand being publicized. Um, publicly criticized and that week I decided to do some research and it was a journey of self-discovery and internal honesty with myself and I watched videos and I read articles and I dug further and I looked into the mirror and I saw myself a three a wing two it has been easy for me to take the journey outward 
to see my wife as a nine, to see my oldest son as a nine and my other son as a five. And it's helped me understand and love them better. But the journey inward was not so easy. Admitting that I put too much weight on achievement and my image stung a bit. However, the journey inward led to the journey upward in rooting myself in truth. My value is in Jesus, and his opinion of me is all that matters. So thanks for taking me on this journey. No matter how much I tried to resist, it made an impact. I know this was very different. I get it. We knew it going in. But I hope that we will take great delight in the fact that God has wired us on purpose the way we are. And our responsibility in this world is to go be light and salt. And it is a journey. We will never be perfect. But with God's grace, as we look inside, may he give us the wisdom and the strength to walk the way he has designed you. And so with that, I'm going to ask us all to stand together. We're actually going to end with a song called King of My Heart. And before we do that, because again, we want him to be the king over everything inside of us, right? But before we do that, I want to pray for all of you. And I'm going to lift out my hand to all of you and pray over you as you go from this in this journey. And church, I hope it strengthens us for the days ahead. Dear God, I pray for every person in this room. The ones, the twos, the threes, the fours, the fives, the sixes, the sevens, the eights, and the nines. God, we're all over the place. And especially over the last several years, we have struggled to find commonalities and camaraderie and understanding of each other in different viewpoints. God, I apologize on behalf of churches all around for not living in the way, not only you have called us, but living that to other people in a way that exemplifies love and truth. And I pray something different for every person in this room for Hope Church. God, first may we understand that our relationship to you is of prime importance. Number one, hands down. Number two, God, impress upon us that your word is the standard for everything, not a personality tool. And number three, God, help us to understand our unique differences and walk in them confidently with humility and with gratitude. May we recognize the individual sins that we may lean into and the struggles that we're going to uniquely face because of our personalities. And I pray that you would give us wisdom and shine light on that. God, I pray that we have a renewed sense of the strengths that you've given us because that helps build up the body of Christ, not tear it down. Thank you for allowing us to walk through this together. I pray blessing on every single person in this room. We love you. You are the king. 
You are the most important. In Jesus' name.